Hi, this is Mary Kay's Positivity Podcast. I'm a yoga and meditation teacher and life coach. I'm also author of several self-help books. I have Kay Masterson, who is co-owner, along with her husband, Kevin, of Johnny's Luncheonette in Newton, Massachusetts. She and Kevin formerly owned and operated Nourish Restaurant in Lexington, Massachusetts, and Big Fresh Cafe in Framingham, Massachusetts. She has worked with local farmers, fishermen, and other small regional businesses for many years to provide responsibly sourced food at respectful prices. Kay, along with her husband, purchased Cabot's Ice Cream and Restaurant this spring. And she is passionate about growing food and supporting our local farmers. She works throughout the growing season to dry, can, freeze, and ferment local produce to be enjoyed by her family throughout the late fall and winter. Thanks very much for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Tell us about how we can make better food choices today and how these decisions impact the broader community. Sure. As everyone knows, there is an overwhelming amount of information about food out there, what you should eat. Uh, There's always some hot new, eat this, don't eat that. And I really encourage people to take a look at where they're at personally. We all probably have a good sense of some of the things that we need to eat less of and maybe some of the things we need to eat more of. Mm -hmm. And there's two issues. There's sourcing, which of course is a primary concern whenever you're talking about your food. Who are you buying it from? What's the quality of the food? Mm -hmm. So that's where we dig into local, organic, and really getting the best quality that you can. The other thing is compliance. Like what are the things in your day, week, month that that you can really shift because it doesn't do any good to make a long list of things that you feel you should do and they're not going to happen. I like to give examples. Think about your weekly schedule. Where do you have the bandwidth to maybe take a little bit more time? If you're stretched in the morning, then maybe that's not it. Although you can do meal prep and have it be easier. Like you could make a big frittata and have that as a to-go item. Mm -hmm. You can make soups on the weekend that can bridge the gap on some busy nights to almost create like a fast food experience. So it's really important for people to not panic, not feel like they have to throw out everything in their kitchen, but take it one habit at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most empowering thing to do. And it's also the thing that actually has staying power. Mm-hmm. How do you know if it's well-sourced? Do you just go to your local Whole Foods and trust that's the best source? Or do you go straight to the farmer? I would say if you are able, buying from local farms is the most important thing you can do. And that can certainly in the growing season, New England, there's loads of farmers markets around. If you can find farmers that are growing organically, whether or not they're certified, once you're in relationship with them, you can understand what they're up against and have confidence in the methods that they're describing to you. Mm -hmm. So even if they say it's an organic farm, there's still so many restrictions that a lot of people don't go that route to say they're organic? 
The organic question is is an entire conversation on its own. The organic mm -hmm. standards nationally are what people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. That basically says it's a soil-based system, mm -hmm. and it has restrictions on inputs in terms of you can't use pesticides, herbicides, uh, fungicides that are chemical and in nature. You can use things like cover crops. There's there's a there's a whole plethora of of things that go into organic growing. The important thing is that in New England, particularly, we have a lot of pest pressure. We've been growing things here for 400 years or more. And so some crops, like tree fruit, as an example, are extremely hard to grow here. Mm -hmm. So you might want to get to know a grower and, and understand what their system is so you can feel comfortable with the fruit, with what they're providing. Mm -hmm. It Local is the most sustainable and most important action we can take because we're really building then a local food system that we all benefit from. When you buy from local farmers, you're not just buying food for you and your family. You are protecting the local ecosystem. You're creating bigger drivers into the local economy by that money staying here and not mm -hmm. going to a major chain. So these are all the things that I think get forgotten. Mm -hmm. When we talk about food, that it's a very powerful purchase. And the more you can buy locally, the more you can buy organically, the better sourced and the better nutrients you'll end up with. And the ripple impact of, that's of benefit to the community goes far beyond just that food purchase. Do you have your own garden and do you recommend people start creating? I do. I've always grown a lot of food. What I would say, it depends where people are at. Again, Take a look at where you're at and realistically take on things that will be manageable, that you'll be successful with. Mm -hmm. I would encourage people to take a look at their diet first and incorporate more plants into it, get great sources of proteins. It's pretty easy in New England to get local eggs that are pastured. Mm -hmm. We also have some grass-fed meats that are available. We can get local fish. So you can extend out into the community and find good sources of food. And I would say do that and then pick the most consumed things in terms of produce and have fun and see if you can do that. It's growing things is challenging. And the only reason I hesitate is because mm -hmm. there are so many good farmers and there are so many great markets and they really need our support. So unless you're super passionate and you have, enough time to manage that mm -hmm. it may just it may be frustrating people can put herbs in them parsley is a great one to start with the greens doing some lettuce and swiss chard kale those are pretty easy they uh respond well to not having to be tended overly carefully mm -hmm. and, and I, I would go for things that you use a lot of mm -hmm. or that you just love like right. peas there's nothing better than uh, a fresh spring pea and they're easy to grow. They're good for the soil. Mm -hmm. so, but, but really, most importantly, is to be realistic. I think we can all get very enthusiastic about, at least I can, about making a long list of things you want to do. And then, <laughs> and then yep. the reality of many people have very mm -hmm. busy lives with pressures right. of work and family and other commitments. So make your goals manageable so that you can be successful in mm -hmm. doing them. I know. I really want to have bees at some point. So that's my next goal. <laughs> it's all great. It's all great and wonderful effort to, to do. What is one simple habit that we can all do to create a healthier lifestyle when it comes to food? 
I like to start with soup. You can create soup out of almost anything. And once you get good at it, you'll be able to look into your fridge and come up with a soup pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Start with recipes. If you like a tomato-based soup, start there. There's great coconut curry recipes. With the internet and all these different sites now, there's loads of ways to access good recipes. Mm -hmm. Start with a recipe of ingredients that you already enjoy. A simple, quick hack is to, you can get, say, an organic pureed butternut squash Mm -hmm. soup. Mm -hmm. And in a Tetra pack, I think you can get them at a variety of stores. You can supercharge that by sauteing some mushrooms and garlic and maybe some greens and adding that to the soup. Mm -hmm. And now you've got something even better. Right. The thing I like about soup is you can make quantity. You can freeze a quart of it. You can have it for several days. If people haven't had a lot of time in the kitchen, I think soup is a good place to start because you'll get multiple meals out of the effort. Mm -hmm. And you can tailor it exactly the way you like to eat. Right. And bone broth is one of the best things we can all eat. So, Yeah, you can also make great vegetable stock. I think people forget that if you are doing a lot of produce, the the ends of things that you tend to discard, Mm -hmm. you can either put those in the freezer or put those in the fridge in a bag, make your own soup stock. And that's very easy to do. It's cost-effective because a lot of times the pushback on some of these changes are people perceive it as being more costly. Mm -hmm. But really, once you start eating well and eating high-nutritious food, the payback is in your health. And it's not as expensive as people think when you get used to using all the vegetables. When you buy beets or radishes from a farmer's market, Mm -hmm. keep those greens. You can saute the greens. You can use the the tent more tender greens in salad. You can saute the greens in a stir fry. You can use them in soup. So mm-hmm. you can get creative and really use the full vegetable. What are some of the problems that farmers have with government? The biggest issue right now is the encroachment on the organic standard by hydroponic growers. Really a serious issue. We haven't had this kind of an attack on the organic label for quite some time. Corporations have been moving in for years, but it's really at a tipping point right now. The National Organic Standards Board used to be populated mostly by farmers. It now has more corporate interest. So people like Driscoll's that have about 70% of the berry market Mm -hmm. are doing hydroponic growing. Now, The problem is organic is a soil-based standard. It's how we manage our soil Mm -hmm. that determines whether something is organic. But because of the money and power involved, they have convinced the organic board that hydroponic is okay to be labeled as as organic. The truth is when European countries are growing organically, they cannot sell that product in their own country. They ship it here as organic. So a lot of the produce that you're seeing, the blueberry, berries in general, cucumbers, peppers, tomatoes, Mm -hmm. are increasingly grown organically. And what that means is that acres and acres of land will be generally sprayed with glyphosate, tarped with plastic, Pots will be put in with a an inert substrate, like 
coconut core or something that will just hold the roots and then a drip line is put in with nutrients to feed the plant. You will get produce from that. You will not get the robust nutrition that happens in the soil and you will certainly not be caring for the land, which is the basis of organic agriculture. Organic agriculture is to be a steward of the land. It's not on people's radar. When they see the organic label, they just think, I'm good to go, it's organic. One of the biggest food movements in the country is the real organic add-on label. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to check them out. It's a very um, wonderful group of growers from all over the country. I think they've got 1,100 farms certified. And these are soil-based organic growers. So those are the people that you want to put your money. It's really an investment in our communities, in our health, and in the future of the organic standards. And what does the label say? Real organic project. Okay. Because there are a lot of different organic labels, so it can be confusing. So thank you. It's different between there's certifiers Uh and then there's the national label. This is really one of the first add-on labels. What I would also encourage people is to understand regenerative is not a standard. So there's a lot of corporate interest using the word regenerative, but we do not have a standard for what regenerative agriculture is. And it often involves the spraying of pesticides. So be very cautious around the marketing of that term. Well, why does the FDA or these groups approve toxic chemicals in our fields? Is it really just because of these large corporations that don't care about our health? Or how do they get away with it where it's illegal in European countries? Lobbying works. Money speaks. Eventually, even though the standards were created as a soil-based standard, when corporations started seeing the interest in organic, Mm-hmm. They perk up and go, we want to get in on this action. And the work of growing food organically is challenging. Mm-hmm. It's depending upon the region of the country you're in. There's issues from pests, soil, um, water, too much, not enough. It's an amazing act of commitment to, mm-hmm. to put the, your stake in the ground and say, I'm going to grow organically. I, and unfortunately, when money's involved, it starts moving the needle in terms of what that standard is. And, and really, it's, it's public education. If people knew what was going on and they flooded the government with complaints about, hey, I thought organic meant in the soil, in healthy soil, I'm not okay with hydroponic being included under the organic label, we could change this. But the Real Organic Project is really about education, but it's also creating that the next food movement, which Mm -hmm. is protect soil-based to protect the ecosystems where those farms are and to protect the the eaters. It's all about a relationship. Is there any organization that we can get behind, whether it's a donation or volunteer, that is spearheading this effort? Because I wasn't aware of it. Yeah, it's the Real Organic Project. You can go online. They also do a great podcast, so you can hear directly from farmers from all over the country that are talking about the challenges they're facing, Mm -hmm. and you can work directly with those farmers in your region, or some of them are large enough where for, say, meats, they Mm -hmm. ship. 
but I, I think that is one of the most important things people can do. And then, of course, support the growers in your own area because there are many growers that are small mm-hmm. and that don't necessarily have a certification, but they may be doing all the right things. Right. And it, they just don't have the infrastructure or the money to be able to pay to get the certifications. Get to know a farmer, mm-hmm. buy their food, get more vegetables into your diet. Give yourself a few hours a week to start jumping into making a soup, a salad dressing, and it, it's the best relationship you can have is one with your food that creates a nutrient environment for you, for your family, and ultimately for, for your community. It's just good all around. Are you worried at all about the mRNA being injected in cattle? I had heard that they were now vaccinating cattle, and that was a new threat. Do you know anything about that? Again, I think that's why working with your local growers is the most important thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Right now, that wouldn't be allowed under organic standards. Okay. But how long those are going to hold out, I, I think is anyone's guess at this point. So there are farms in Massachusetts, there are farms in our region that have very responsible methods of managing beef production and pork and chickens. And the more we support them, the more we encourage other farmers to go in that direction. It really is a a virtue cycle Mm -hmm. rather than signal. I think we're all tired of virtue signals. (laughs) (laughs) Understatement, right. This is really a virtuous cycle of we support the farmers for making the commitment to do the hard work and best practices, and they do more of that. And then young people see that as a viable means of making a living and stewarding a piece of land, and then it continues. But it's with anything. If we don't put our our time, effort, and our resources behind it, Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen. And I really encourage people, the power of your effort, to go find the farmers, the power of your dollar, whatever that is, mm-hmm. that you can carve out of your weekly food budget to say, I'm going to commit this to local agriculture and I'm going to get to know a farmer. Those are really some of the most powerful things we do in, in our community. How can we get farmers back on the board? That's so important. That's alarming. It is. The Real Organic Project, and I guess there's places like Cornucopia, is another nonprofit that's keeping an eye on this. Years ago, there was another incursion into the organic standards when organic chicken began to be a thing and the big players didn't want to have to feed organic grains or organic feed to the chickens because that was going to be cost prohibitive. When the public found out about that, Mm -hmm. the government was flooded with, I believe it was 300,000 comments. Wow. We we need that kind of action again to say, protect the organic standards. It's a soil-based standard. People who really care about what they're eating are assuming that the government is protecting the integrity of that standard. And right now it's Mm -hmm. not. So if we can raise our voices, take action, then I believe we can make change. But it's also at a point where... I think that's in question. So it's doing those two things, right? It's 
doing everything we can at the local level. So we've got a vibrant local food ecosystem mm-hmm. that is more resilient to things like supply chain shocks. It's, I think we all lived through the pandemic where food shortages were concerning to people. But we have a really robust food ecosystem here that's less of a risk. And then it's also holding the government to account on the standards that they should be holding. When I go to other countries, I eat more, I feel better, I lose weight. It's so easy to feel great. And here I see the choices are really limiting and don't make you always feel great. And I see so much sickness and disease that I'm really wondering what they are doing to our food. I really appreciate all the insight. How did you get involved in food? Did you grow up in a foodie family? What was your background? We were always growing food and going to friends' farms and freezing food. And I got really into it when I was in my teens. Mm -hmm. And I've been growing every place I've lived. I've been growing. I've been canning food for 30 years, preserving, Mm -hmm. hydrating. I'm an herbalist. It's something that I just is... You love doing it. I can't not do it. I love it because it's actually something my grandmother used to do, but it seems like also a dying interest. I think what happens is when you start eating better and you feel better, that creates an interest in doing more. Mm -hmm. So I certainly want to give people assurance that even if you've tried, this is a hard culture to eat well in. This isn't about setting a bar high and feeling badly if you've missed it. It's do your best and know that every day you make a small change, you swap out a product, you Mm -hmm. put a little more time into making something, that's a win. Mm -hmm. And it is really hard in our culture with so much processed food being thrown at us. And food scientists who are crafting foods to hit certain taste sensors and kick up the dope. This is a challenge. Mm -hmm. So if that's why I really encourage people to start with simple things, start with something simple. Like if you like chocolate, buy good quality, organic, fair trade chocolate and switch from milk chocolate to 50%, 55%. You get a lot of variety in that. And then maybe to a 70%. What's amazing with that small experiment is sugar really drives more sugar consumption. You literally can change your body's reaction to foods with these incremental changes. Mm -hmm. If people like sweets and they tend to go for milk chocolate, just do an experiment. Try that small shift Mm -hmm. and you will find that you want less of it and that It's more satisfying. So you can also take recipes if you're doing some baking, cut the sugar down, switch it out with coconut sugar. Mm -hmm. Just try adjusting your palate slowly over time. And I guarantee you what you'll find is that your body responds to eating better, Mm -hmm. to eating less sugar, to eating less processed foods, and start waking up your taste buds with lots of herbs and spices and it can be done fairly simply. There's Mountain Rose is an online herb company. You can buy great spice blends from them mm-hmm. and really apply liberally with your food and get back into relationship with feeding yourself well. Mm-hmm. 
And that literally will change the things that you think you crave. Absolutely. I totally believe in that. They also say it takes 12 times trying something before you actually start to like it. Yeah. And that's why just be gentle with yourself wherever you are on the spectrum. Some people dash out of the house without breakfast. Some people have a fridge or a, a pantry full of processed foods. Life is busy. We are all doing our best. Pick something and see where you can make a change with it. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's going to be a good thing to have done that change. And whether it's just getting more vegetables in, committing to, or a new vegetable. If you know that like the brassica vegetables are so good for us, that's the broccoli, the cauliflower, the kales, the Brussels sprouts, the cabbages, Mm -hmm. those are so incredibly good for us. Challenge yourself, whether a week's the right time frame for you or a month, go, I'm going to get a new vegetable into our lineup. Mm -hmm. No, I know I had shishito peppers last night and I loved them. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, as I say, there's lots of recipes on the internet. Mm -hmm. There's lots of resources. And I, I really think the mistake that gets made is people feel overwhelmed. So instead of thinking, I'm going to do one small thing. They think, oh my gosh, everything needs to go and it's overwhelming. And then we revert back to our old habits. Right. They don't know where to start. Right. Well, some of your concerns with fishermen today and the fish they're catching, is that fairly safe? Are the fish we eat, is that safe? I think there's, sure, there's a lot of information out there about fish and there's a lot of different ways to look at fish. I would say the Northwest Atlantic Marine Alliance, which is an amazing local organization, is a great resource. Generally speaking, there's the small fish, and that's the, the fish that people tend not to want to eat as much. The, the, the sardines, the anchovies mm-hmm. tend to be a very good option, a real bang for your buck in terms of nutrition. There's, again, ways to consume these that are palatable for most people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always take those things off. <laughs> they're, they're in, in terms of just what you're getting for quantity, it's hard to, to beat them. Right. Now, there's a lot of great local fish. There's food miles when it comes to fish. When you're buying a, a prepared fish item, mm-hmm. oftentimes it's traveled thousands of miles because it's going from a big trawler to a production facility and being frozen and shipped here. So Red's Best is an amazing local aggregator of local and regional fishermen. Oh, okay. They're out of of the docks in Boston. You can order fish from them, a 10-pound assortment of different shellfish and fin fish. They don't have wild Alaskan salmon, but all the the white fish and scallops and clams and that sort of thing. I think fish is still a really healthy option for people. Obviously, mercury issues with swordfish and some tuna. So you want to stay away from those if you're pregnant and limit them. Mm -hmm. If you're not, I've spoken to several nutritionists and they would still say that occasional consumption of even those fish, the health benefits outweigh the risks. I think Mm -hmm. that's a personal decision for people, whatever Mm -hmm. your health status is and your feelings about those things. But my feeling is diversity is 
important. Diversity drives the diversity in our gut. So diversity of our food will drive diversity of microbes in our gut. We've all been hearing about how important the, the gut microflora is. Mm-hmm. And with proteins, I never want to rely overly on any one source because there can be challenges with any of our protein sources. So I want to have great diversity in that and be able to enjoy the benefits and not over rely on them. So then I'm starting to see the downsides on that. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite meal to eat? Oh gosh, it's going <laughs> to be greens. I actually got 12, I got a little half bushel of collard greens from a local farm and I'll, I'll be doing up a big batch of collard greens, some to have, and then some for the freezer. So I would say a, a nice local fish, greens, and, and maybe some beets or roasted carrots and turnips. I tend to go pretty heavy on the vegetables. It's not unusual for us to have two or three vegetables at a meal. Oh, wow. And I then leftovers. I'm a big fan of leftovers. Oh, yeah. Make extra. If you're going to be chopping something, make enough so that you don't have to chop again tomorrow. Your Thanksgiving must be amazing. <laughs> it's pretty fun. And the other thing I would add in that makes fast food is take your say you've got extra vegetables and maybe some rice or quinoa from the night before, use that as a bed for a couple of eggs in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, think in terms of the next meal, not just the one you're cooking. And that can really help in terms of not feeling, oh my gosh, every meal period is stressful. Right. You can actually do prep for multiple meal periods at the same time. You can make a salad dressing that'll last you for a week. You can make soup that'll last you for several different meals. You can make a pot of chili that'll do the same. Freeze Mm -hmm. a couple quarts, get them in the freezer. And now you've got 10 days of options without the effort that goes into making a meal every single night. I love soups and potato soups and vegetable soups. That's a great advice to have soup when you freeze it up so that you always have that option anytime. Someone yeah. walks over, right? Yeah, or you're just running. How many times have have we found ourselves running late and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have the time I thought to make dinner. If you've got things in the freezer, you can get a cup, You can get a, a decent meal out of a couple quarts of soup and put together a salad or a sandwich. I didn't even get to dips and, and the importance of whether it's a hummus or whether it's, I love making cashew cheese because I don't eat dairy. Mm -hmm. And that's another great high protein, good option that match that up with your soup. And you've got a really filling nutritious meal. Yeah. No, that sounds great. Yum. But is there anything else that you think would be helpful for our listeners to know? I think just, Get really creative in solving your food problems. I think it's pretty standard that people know more real food made at home, less prepared food, less frozen food, less fast food. Mm -hmm. I think back to when I was a young mom. Is there a friend you can share time with so that you both make something and then split that? Is there a two-hour window in the weekend when you can say, okay, I'm going to start, that's my commitment. Every weekend, I'm going to, even if it's just chopped vegetables. Mm -hmm. Another really great thing to do is if that's your barrier, think about what are your barriers to doing more cooking and eating well, and then figure out how to solve for them. If it's that I'm stretched when I get home, 
I don't have time. Doing meal prep on a Sunday afternoon, even if it's like getting some vegetables chopped and ready and spinning some salad and having it ready Mm -hmm. can make a big difference because we all give ourselves something of an excuse to get off the hook, right? I don't Mm -hmm. have time. That's usually what we do. Right. And then, but what's the solution? Instead of staying stuck in the problem, what's the solution to whatever that is? I don't have enough time. I'm not close to a farmer's market. Think of in your life what those things are and then start chipping away at them because I guarantee you when you start eating better, you'll start feeling better Mm -hmm. and your local farmers are going to thank you. I know. I feel like creating a local farmer's market in our town. I don't remember us having one. It would be well, great. There are lots of them around, and mm-hmm. and that's the other thing. It's difficult for farmers to extend too much of themselves outside the farm. So sometimes it's better to figure out where you are throughout the week and find the market that's close to you and have that be the solution. The other thing is there's Places popping up like Deborah's Naturals in Concord, if people are out that way. Mm-hmm. Find a natural food store that also is likely supporting the local organic growers. There's a new food co-op that opened in Maynard, Mass. Mm-hmm. And I know other places have local food co-ops. So that's another way to thwart the system and say, look, I'm tired of putting my money into corporate coffers. Where are the places locally that I can get my food? And food co-ops, farmers markets figure out your time, and just jump in and start somewhere. Right, right. And make a point of calling your government officials so we can make sure they're not allowing all this toxicity into our foods. That's Yeah, I mean, it really is is fraud at this point because the organic standards, as I say, are a soil-based standard. It says Mm -hmm. right in them that they're a soil-based standard. Without soil you really shouldn't be able to have an organic product. 100%. And what in the name of it is called hydroponics? Well, hydroponics are when hydroponics, yeah. You're growing with a nutrient liquid solution as opposed to a robust soil that has been fed through cover cropping and compost and natural manures and things like that to mm-hmm. create the vibrancy and nutrient density that then moves up into the plant. And if I could just add, part of the challenge here is that we always are limited by what we don't yet know. Mm-hmm. There is exciting work happening with the Bionutrient Food Association that is doing trials around the country on how different crops are grown and their nutrient density. And they're developing a spectrometer Mm -hmm. that people will actually be able to hold in their hand and test the nutrient density of their foods. Wow. That would be awesome. So you can't be fooled. (laughs) So there's cool stuff coming. It all needs support. It all needs people to be engaged in it and helping in whatever way they can. Mm -hmm. But the more we can protect a really healthy, robust food system, the better off everybody will be. And hopefully everyone will forward this podcast to everyone they know, because I think this is really important, just knowing everything that you know, having been in the food industry for so long, and how it's changed over the years so dramatically. We need to stop all these big corporations from destroying what's most important to us. So, Absolutely, absolutely. And it's money in politics. Mm -hmm. It's corporate profit over public policy mm-hmm. and I think people are starting to get very tired of it right. but we 
the majority of people are not making a living in the stock market and that mm -hmm. drive to maximize corporate profit has infiltrated every aspect of our lives and the food industry is no different. So now we see benefits accruing to corporations that are taking away the protections that the public needs to have around healthy food that we all assumed the government was protecting us and we just can't assume that anymore. So it's time for people to really take action, mm -hmm. speak up, get educated, find out what's happening, and then support the growers who are in your area. Right, right. Well, how can our audience get in touch with you if they have further questions? I'll give you my email. It's Masterson, M-A-S-T-E-R-S-O-N, K as in kitten, D as in dog, uh, at gmail.com. And happy to chat with people about this and encourage further action because it's time for everybody to step up. Right, right. And we saw what's happened to our health and medical companies, so we can't afford to let it affect the food industry as well. So hopefully everyone will make an effort to speak up about this to everyone. Yeah, I always say the most selfish thing I do is feed myself. So if people can reframe it, you're doing this for yourself. And that changes the idea of, oh, I don't have time or... And for our children. Yeah. They're the most, they're growing, their brain's growing to have toxins in food. Absolutely. It's and the more you can control where your food's coming from, how it's grown, and get re-engaged with making a lot of it yourself, and especially if you have children, modeling for them what it means to truly take care of yourself mm -hmm. doesn't have to be time-consuming and it doesn't have to be expensive. Lots and lots of ways that this can be done on a variety of budgets. I was doing it when I had very limited income and understand that you know that can be a concern for people mm -hmm. but it's there's always ways to eat better we just have to get creative and when figure out what's doable for each person each household right right and help our farmers most importantly help our farmers yep. so thank you so much and i hope to have you again sometime soon thanks for all you're doing and take care great Thank you so much. Please find a comfortable position. You can sit in a chair or on the couch, in your bed, wherever you feel really calm, peaceful. And take a long, deep breath in, inhaling all that positive energy and a long exhale. Letting go of any toxic energy, negativity, worry. Let it leave the body. And just start every day with affirmations. Because as you start the day with affirmations, either in a meditation or in front of the mirror, you eventually start believing them. And when you start believing them, they all come true. I am a great person. I am kind, thoughtful, and smart. I am healthy 
and healing quickly. I can accomplish anything I want. I will do great things today. I am confident and brave. I can solve any problems. I can listen to my body and be kind to it. Nothing stops me. I am proud of who I am. I make mistakes often and am successful because of it. I attract great people and opportunities. Now just slowly release any tension in your face, release the muscles, relax the brow, unclench the teeth, soften the eyes, and your lips may part a little because you're slowly breathing in, breathing out. Now relax the neck, the throat. Allow the shoulders to relax down your back. Notice how the upper back releases, the lower back releases. Just start to surrender. We spend so much of our day sort of forcing things to happen or wishing and wanting and making things happen. And that action takes a lot of energy. Stop and surrender. Let things happen. Imagine you're a queen on a throne, just receiving gifts, receiving good news, receiving opportunities. Allow things to come to you so you're not forcing them. It's like forcing that friendship that really doesn't want to be. Allow it to let it go. And then watch all the new, amazing new friendships that open up into your world. By letting go, we can receive things that are even better. We can open our hearts to people who care deeply. So open your heart now. Imagine that your heart is filling up with love and expanding out to the universe. Take a deep breath in and a long breath out. Your heart has a magnetic field 100 times larger than the brain, and it creates the largest electromagnetic field in the body. The magnetic field of the heart is affected by emotion and can communicate with those around us by something called termed cardioelectromagnetic communication. You don't need words 
for people to feel the effects from your expanding heart, from the love in your heart expanding energetically. Now allow the hips to release. Let them feel heavy, relaxed. Allow this peaceful, calm feeling to override you. Your legs feel loose and relaxed, heavy. Your whole body releases into a state of deep relaxation. You feel calm, courageous, and happy. Take a few moments to release any lingering thoughts or tension, allowing yourself to just be Thanks for joining us today. Namaste.